It is the Saturday Coffee Clutch with Heather Lofthouse, Executive Director of Inequality Media Civic Action, and yours truly, uh, who is uh, remotely, uh, I'm remote, I'm remotely remote because I have COVID this week. Heather, I've not wanted to uh, see you in person, obviously, because I don't want to give you this COVID. I think I was the last person in America to have COVID um, or to not have COVID. Now I have it. Um, but, uh, but you're doing well, you're doing much better. So that's the good news, but well, you're I'm still, feeling, I'm, I'm feeling positive, but the trouble is I'm testing positive. Right. And, right. um, and you, I guess I'm not supposed to see anybody until I test negative. Is that what it is? That's what it is. And you're doing the right thing by isolating in a tiny room for days and days and days. But I I'm love going, that you <laughs> wanted going, to come back. I'm going out of my gourd. I mean, I I really, really, this is, I mean, isolation is not pleasant and um and with your personality and metabolism for I mean, life I just, i'm talking to myself and yelling at myself and i read the headlines and i scream i know um, it's been a hard week I it mean, really has but thank you for coming back for us and apologies if any of if we sound funny because we're doing a long distance a remote clutch well you um, you sound perfect i i must sound you know well, kind of throaty and well, I didn't mean that, but also that. I just meant audio-wise. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway. but, 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 but to this week, I mean, it, it's really uh, oh, a, week, a week ago today, uh, one of the most tragic days uh, in recent history. I mean, is Israel, the Hamas militants. Uh, and, you know, Heather, it is, it is certainly possible to condemn, and we should be condemning, what those Hamas militants did as unmitigatingly evil. I mean, this is, these are oh, it's abhorrent. It's um, murder. It's, it's, yeah, it's hard. And it's civilians, clearly. And, it's, and, and uh, but at the same time, you know, I, I worry mm -hmm. about what Israel's reaction is. That is raining death and destruction on millions of innocent people who are in Gaza, uh, wreaking a kind of vengeance on innocent people. That's going to undermine, here's my, my real concern, it's going to undermine mm -hmm. whatever sympathy Israel garnered on the world stage. It's going to deflect attention from the murderers and the right. murder regime in Iran. Right. And it's going to force Israel to permanently occupy Gaza. I mean, can you imagine uh, a worse outcome? I mean, the, the real villains here are in Tehran, in Iran. Uh, yeah. They are you know, the real problem was it was Israel's defenses were down. Israel was distracted. Netanyahu, uh, who is a bully. I mean, he is a he is a an authoritarian uh, uh, and he you know, he divides the country. He talks about uh, just just the way Trump does a deep state in Israel. He made, you know, uh, I mean, he's he's pitted Israelis against Israelis. Uh, so obviously, uh, the the country is not going to be as capable as it was of defending itself, uh, uh, you know, a, a week ago. I know. And here on, on, you know, in our backyard, young people across the U.S. on college campuses are really divided on this. And it's, I mean, somewhat understandable, right? But can you talk a little bit about what you've been reading or even seeing at UC Berkeley? Well, I've been reading um, and, and see, I haven't been seeing all that much because of COVID, but 
um, I am certainly in contact with a lot of students at Berkeley and faculty members and faculty members around the country. And what they tell me is that the pro-Israel students um, and the uh, pro-Palestinian students uh, are harassing each other. Uh, there are some threats of violence, uh, which is, you know, outrageous, uh, unnecessary, um, has very little to do with the crisis at hand. I mean, the, uh, the Israeli-Palestinian tensions and crisis, I mean, this has been going on uh, since right. forever. I mean, right. I, you know, I was born in 1946. Uh, the Israeli state starts in 1948. I mean, mm -hmm. since I can remember, there has been uh, there have been outrages on both sides. Uh, but to use this particular instance uh, as a as a vehicle or a a trigger for um, harassment and violence on our college campuses is inexcusable. I mean, that, that should not be. It's horrible. But I do think young people are looking for. I don't want to say easy answers. I want to say, you know, a, a black or white solution to something that's so nuanced. Well, they, um, I think they're looking for moral certainty. Uh, right, and, right. And you can't, unfortunately, hear. Um, I mean, Israel has been a vicious bully. Netanyahu has been among the worst authoritarians. Yes, uh, we know this. And at the same time, you've got uh, these militants who've done unspeakable things. Um, and uh, how can you be morally certain that one side or the other is is preferable? I mean, uh, you can't be, obviously. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Oh, I know. And it's the ramifications are significant. What does it mean in terms of Ukraine? And who do we think, besides Iran, who's helping Hamas with all this? Because it was, as you say, a week ago, sudden in many ways, right? Yeah, I think Iran is the major player here. I mean, Iran has the the money, the equipment, the knowledge, the manpower. Um, Iran really did engineer all of this. I mean, the, the 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 most extraordinary thing about this is not just the horrors of what happened, uh, but also that the Israeli intelligence, which is world renowned, I mean, right, Israeli right. intelligence uh, was in many respects better than American intelligence, that Israeli intelligence didn't know that this was underway. And, you know, there are a lot of people that call me, that talk to me, that say it's impossible. Israeli intelligence must have known. Uh, and therefore, this is all a plot by Netanyahu and his authoritarians uh, to expand their power uh, right. over Gaza, over Palestine. Well, that also, that, is, that, that kind of conspiracy theory makes no sense when you see what Israel is getting into. Yeah. And today's the Sabbath, and just my heart hurts for the fact that, you know, all of our Jewish brethren, right, who are celebrating today or, you know, observing the Sabbath, that this, there's a worry. There's a worry. It's a scary time yet again and still, and it's just, it's disgusting and a shame. Well, there's a worry also about anti-Semitism um, growing around the world, but also in the United States. Uh, and you certainly have a lot of forces, uh, dark, uh, negative, violent, uh, Trumpist forces, 
Uh, and I'm linking it to Donald Trump uh, because because Trump Trump and hate and Trump and bigotry we've seen over the past six, seven years uh, really uh, have been just such a negative force in the United States. And you see that uh, with anti-Semitism and hatefulness on the rise, uh, well, uh, it, it is important and incumbent on all of us mm-hmm. to do whatever we can uh, to calm the waters, to to make sure that people understand how complicated all of this is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that that there is no room for violence and there is no room for bigotry. No, it's unacceptable. Except when it's accepted these days. Um, But okay, so speaking of bigotry, I'm trying to do a segue here. So this week, in terms of the Speaker of the House, Steve Scalise was up now he's out jim jordan's around asked austin scott oh don't even get me started about jim jordan i mean jim jordan but i'd like to get you started about jim jordan no no i I don't want to because jim jordan (laughs) is the worst jim jordan was the founder of the freedom caucus jim jordan is horrible is about as extreme as they come uh jim jordan is a protege of donald trump and donald trump is a protege of jim jordan jim jordan and donald trump you know according to liz cheney we're we're in cahoots yep they have insurrection in common over january 6th i mean the the idea that jim jordan is even close the to the to the golden ring of the speakership uh and therefore what number three in line for the presidency uh is uh well it it's almost enough to get me what uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know, because you have you have positive for COVID. Don't get too excited. I think we well, need it's not excited. I'm, I mean, <laughs> I, you know, it's you get uh, I, I don't know, Heather. Sometimes I wonder, as I'm sure you do and many people who are listening, uh, if we are heading, you know, kind of barreling the United States and elsewhere around the world uh, with Putin and Netanyahu and and Trump and Jim Jordan and other people like that. Uh, toward a kind of uh, uh, a, a kind of an apocalypse of our own making. We, oh, no. the, the worst people are in charge or potentially in charge. I know it's mayhem. Okay, well, so what can can we just let's look at the numbers and think about a world where Jim Jordan is not going to be in charge? Um, Hakeem Jeffries, right? How many votes would he need? from the Republican side, and is it realistic? Well, uh, the mathematics is pretty, very straightforward. You need 217 votes to be speaker. Uh, and if all of the Democrats in the House stayed together, yep. um, Hakeem Jeffries could be speaker with five Republicans. Five. Only yeah, five yeah. Republicans. Uh, you know, Is it possible to get five Republicans, five in this day and age? Well, maybe not, but remember, there are something in the order of 12 to 18 Republicans in the House right now who were elected in 2022 in districts that were carried by uh, Joe Biden in yes. 2020. Uh, so they are potentially politically imperiled mm-hmm. by the extremists, mm-hmm. uh, the Trump, uh, Jim Jordan extremists in the House. So maybe. Uh, they would either come over, I, I think it's doubtful, um, but uh, another possibility is that uh, the Democrats in the House uh, select one of them, you know, a moderate, yes. maybe, maybe uh, Brian uh, uh, Fitzgerald. Um, uh, well, from, I saw this in your Substack yesterday. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I don't. He's not ideal. He's you know, but mm-hmm. but he's certainly he's certainly a a moderate relative to most other Republicans. And maybe if they join together, if the Democrats said to him, uh, "We'll back you if you can get just five other Republicans to back you," uh, maybe you could have a coalition government. Right, right, right. Uh, it's not. It's not fun to watch. Especially right now. I mean, uh, because you you can't even these republic the Republican extremists, Jim Jordan uh, on down. Uh, they don't want to provide any more aid to Ukraine. Yes. Uh, uh, they are really playing Putin's game for know. him. Mm, it's not good. Can I move on to something slightly more positive? Oh, I hope so. I mean, uh, please. Uh, okay. I Labor mean, wins. This is good. This is good. We've seen, I mean, we've talked about this a lot. You've written about it a lot. You've been in videos about it. But so really, truly, we, the strength of labor is impressive these days. What are some examples from this week? I mean, I know I was paying attention to the Kaiser strike, um, 75,000 workers. There's, you know, things are moving on that front. But what else is happening? Well, I just want to pause here because healthcare workers, nurses and others who've been through the pandemic, mm-hmm. uh, who really were, were just uh, heroes for this country, uh, they are underpaid. They are overworked. They are, you know, the staffing in many of these hospitals and hospital systems is awful, uh, and you know, they, 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 they're, they're, it's unpredictable. Uh, they have every right to strike, and uh, not only do they have a right to strike, but I think it's good for the system. Right. Uh, there are reforms. It's good for patients, uh, and uh, so uh, you know, more power to them. Right. And then at the federal level, what's happening? Okay, so that's at the worker level, right? What's happening at the federal level? Well, at the federal level, I, I don't know what you mean, but you've got the UAW. NLRB. Um, well, that's actually important, Heather, because behind uh, the UAW strike and the successful UPS strike and what's going on with the actors uh, and uh, the successful writers, uh, strike. I mean, that mm-hmm. really turned out pretty well in terms of what the writers wanted. Behind all of this is a National Labor Relations Board that is not getting enough positive press about what it is doing. Right. Uh, Jennifer Abruzzo, do you mm-hmm. know that name? Mm-hmm. She is, she is uh, the, uh, basically the, 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 the head of, she's not the chair of the National Labor Relations Board. She is the um, the person who brings cases yep. uh, to the board. General uh, counsel. And she, in that role, has been extraordinary. Uh, she's changed the rules of the game. The board has been, it's the most pro-union board I remember. Uh, and again, kudos to the Biden administration. That's I mean, it. Biden, Biden is not only out there on the, for the first time any president has ever been uh, in a, uh, you know, supporting workers on uh, actually in a strike situation. Uh, but he's also appointed terrific people to the National Labor Relations Board who are altering the rules of the game, making it easier for workers to organize labor unions. That's uh, it. And that's and this, is, this yeah. is huge, huge. The other thing, too, is I think you and I talk about this and see this i mean biden and the administration is just getting stuff done 
I mean, while the world is crumbling around it, but I mean, there's so many things and they are not giving in to the media and otherwise on all the petty stuff that's happening. I mean, it's kind of impressive at a time when it feels like there are no adults in some of the rooms. I do think I'm impressed with how things are just churning, going. I think think this is a very important point. Uh, The media, being the media, I mean, is attracted to dysfunction. Uh, So that's all that they're reporting. They're reporting about the House and the Republicans in the House. They're reporting, uh, obviously, they have to report about what's happening around the world that, you know, in Ukraine and in Israel. Um, And they are also, we hear a lot of reports about uh, Clarence Thomas and, and, you know, the Supreme Court and the, the, the conflicts of interest. That's all important for the public to know. But meanwhile, You've got Joe Biden and the Biden administration and people like Jennifer Bruzzo at the National Labor Relations Board and elsewhere really doing the public's work quietly, diligently uh, and boldly getting it done, doing a lot of very important work. Yes, that gives us hope. I'm wearing this mic because we're far away and I keep sipping my coffee because it's a coffee clutch. So I hope everyone's not. Are you listening to me? slurping yes it's no darn it are you hearing my slurps i'm hearing every one of yours um so the past couple weeks when we've met i've had a what i'm calling the segment segment and every week i change it and it's just something i feel like talking about which is this is the heather it's the heather segment yeah this is the heather so this week heather what is your what is your uh, particular issue this week it's been such a terrible week in so many respects oh it's been yeah but do you have something No, I don't have anything positive. What I have right now is I feel like I'm no longer surprised by anything, right? Everything is terrible and morals and rules I thought existed don't and everything's blown up. But so this, my segment today is called, I'm not surprised, but I'm fuming. Okay. Oh, that's so great. That's going to yeah, is... elevate the, the, yeah, this is great. the feelings about But so what really week. got my goat recently. So I read this two weeks ago in the Atlantic. Um, And I can't stop thinking about it. So it was an article by Kim Whaley, who is a lawyer and a professor of the law. And she wrote this piece that basically says many Republicans, including in Texas and otherwise, are trying to stop and get rid of no-fault divorce. This floored me. So basically divorce, and this really affects women, and it turns out there is a lot of misogyny and a lot of sexism around, duh, but it just, it's still, I'm not surprised, but I'm fuming is the name of the segment. Um, so we used to, we women or all spouses, but the real, the onus fell on women, used to have to prove why we deserved a divorce, right? There was adultery, there was bigamy, there was cruelty, prove, 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 the burden was on us. Then laws changed, right? And all of this came from England back in the day and we adjusted it, you would know better than I with your law degree. Um, But so no fault divorce, yeah. So now they wanna get rid of this. Keep in mind- let, Let me be clear. I mean, no fault divorce was incredibly and has been incredibly important to women because women often don't have the power and finance in the family. Ding, ding, uh, ding, ding, ding. That's and exactly so, it. And, and so no fault divorce, divorce makes it possible uh, for them to actually get a, a, a divorce and the terms they need. 
Right, exactly. And now we are trying to take that away. Well, we aren't. I mean, Republicans. We are not, but people in country. our midst. But this is, see, this is consistent with the anti-abortion movement. It's consistent Bingo. with what Republicans are doing around the country. Yep. The misogyny of a lot of the right wing, uh, and let me use this term very delicately, fascist uh, Republicans, because, you know, misogyny is part of fascism. Uh, you know, oh. elevating the male and, and the power of the male uh, warrior uh, over everybody else and and restoring, quote unquote, the male uh, to the position of power in the family uh, is part of the Republican playbook. And That's it's part it, of fascist man. playbook. That's it. And it's horrifying. And I keep saying, I mean, we see it blatantly. Right. But then it's these kinds of things that are kind of percolating at the state level. Um, and, you know, J.D. Vance of Ohio was saying, I love this quote, got to get rid of these laws, basically, because it makes it easier for people to shift spouses like they change their underwear. Uh, Who, what are we talking about? OK, so that's something we want to keep our eye on. One nice thing about today is I feel like we didn't mention the former orange guy that much. Well, that's that, a positive. It is a positive. And, and hats off to you, Heather. I did slip into my anti-Trumpism a little bit. But, <laughs> but I think the, the important point that you are raising is that uh, when there are actually incredibly important newsworthy events uh, that, that require the media to focus on them, uh, Donald Trump is pushed out of the news. Right, because uh, he know, doesn't. He, he can't insert his concocted news stories about himself if the world is, you know. That's right. That's right. His, his, his ridicule, his insults, his his vindictiveness uh, just becomes sort of background music, uh, and people mm. are less interested. Uh, so you know, this is this is again this is the feedback loop that we've been enduring for years between Trump and the and the media, and uh, it's. I suppose you might say, for all of the awfulness of the week, uh, maybe the silver lining is uh, Trump didn't dominate the news. Yes, I would agree with that. Okay, on that note. On that note, on that note. Heather, it's been wonderful talking to you again. Uh, next week, we'll do this in person. And uh, everybody out there, everybody out there have a great, great week, a much better week than this one, please. Hear, hear. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye.